Hello and welcome back to Earsports.com and Country Roads Confidential. I am Mike Casaza and I am by myself once again because Chris Anderson is still at the beach. Don't cry for me. I will get back at him later in the month. I have a couple of days to myself before things get really crazy. Right now, things are just kind of crazy, but in the best possible way. We are three days into preseason practice of West Virginia. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Today, Monday, the Mountaineers are back. We get Neil Brown again. I assume that he will detail all of the scholarship situations how they got to 85 or toward 85, I should say, what they did with their 19 class, who they're counting toward 20. He seemed really upset that he wasn't as prepared as he could have been. I'm not even going to say should have been. Um, I wasn't expecting that. But he seemed upset that he was not as prepared as he could have been on Friday to answer a question about scholarship count. Um, it seems like he's going to be ready to dish on that today. So these kind of crazy and, and refreshingly honest and open news conferences, perhaps they continue. We're also at a point now where players really want to go. Two days without pads, uh, boring. Um, Sunday, shoulder pads. You could thump a little bit. Players seem pretty happy about that when we talk to them uh, later in the day. And they can go full pads on Tuesday. So we're about at the point now where you kind of start to figure some things out about people. Everyone looks good in shorts and a helmet. Everybody looks a little bit different with shoulder pads. Everybody looks a little bit more different when you put on the thigh pads and you start hitting people and tackling people and putting guys on the ground or keeping people from putting you on the ground. So right now you have a mix of team, a team that's mixed with veterans and rookies. A lot of the veterans know the drill and they want to see who's real and who's not. Um, a lot of this talk right now is about how guys are better than they were in the spring, but that's all summer stuff. You can't really do a whole lot with the football in front of coaches, actually none during the summer, and you're doing light stuff with your teammates and seven-on-seven. So um, that summer period is really restricted. It's not full contact, full padded football. So everybody who's good now and wasn't before or is better now and than they were before, it changes maybe when you get those pads on. So, again, veterans are looking forward to seeing exactly how much has changed, but I also get the sense that there are a lot of young players who are either prepared or think they're prepared and are ready to take on this challenge and ultimately prove themselves right away because the Mountaineers do need a lot of young people. We'll get to more football toward the end. A couple of things we've learned about the team and the people, and then perhaps a surprise at the finish if we have some time. But right now, let's talk basketball because Sunday's big headline was one we didn't see coming. Don't ask me why. I might get upset. But Oscar... Can we just call him Oscar right now? Because as someone with a difficult-to-pronounce last name, I don't want to commit the sin of mispronouncing his name any more than I have. But you know who I'm talking about. He's the five-star power forward, the highest-ranked recruit to ever sign with West Virginia, just the second McDonald's All-American. And Oscar was supposed to debut with West Virginia during this three-game, ten-day exhibition tour in Spain. That did not happen. He did not travel with the team. We found out Sunday that it was a visa restriction issue. I want to apologize to the individual, and he knows who he is, who texted me and said, I just saw Oscar. And I said, no, you didn't, dummy. He's in Spain. He was not in Spain. <laughs> he was actually in Morgantown. So uh, my bad. I uh, owe that person that much at least. So what happened is unclear. We can figure out more, and we'll talk in a minute about exactly how much it means. But it seems like in 2019, the immediate reaction is you got to blame somebody. Whose fault is this? How could it happen? I don't know that it's West Virginia's fault, and I don't profess to know how it happens. I can tell you that I had to get a visa last summer, and it was not fun. Uh, my wife worked in Australia, and I went to visit, and it took me three shots. 
Um, luckily, the third time was, in fact, the charm. But I was mystified by how things weren't working out like I thought. So my experience is at least that I'll be sympathetic here because I know it's not easy. Um, I don't know what happened. I do know that Oscar has a student visa so he can attend high school and college in America. I know that sometimes it's hard to travel uh, and get into or sometimes out of countries when you travel. So maybe he gets to Spain and he doesn't get out. Imagine stuff like that. It's really weird. So I don't want to project too much, but I want to say this in defense of West Virginia. I would be shocked if someone in the basketball office dropped the ball here. Um, I just can't believe that would happen for a couple of reasons. One, they have another international player on the roster. Jermaine Haley is Canadian, and he took care of all his business, and he's with the team. I would be amazed if someone forgot that Oscar is from the Democratic Republic of the Congo, <laughs> thought he was from Philadelphia, and just said, ah, give him a passport, he'll be fine. They know who he is. They know he's from the DRC. It didn't happen that way. I'm going to assume that they knew months and months and months ago they were going, and they knew months and months and months ago that he was signed, and that they made sure that getting him a visa was high on a list of priorities to get ready for this trip. If I'm wrong on either one of them, someone should be fired. Already. But I highly, highly doubt that I'm wrong about either one of them. Similarly, the director of basketball operations is Josh Eilert. He took care of the plans and logistics and all that stuff for the trip to Germany two years ago to play Texas A&M. No issues there. And that's important because Sagaba Canante is from Mali. He had no problem getting to Germany. I highly, highly doubt that he forgot how to do his job. So again, do we want to blame West Virginia? Maybe you do. I don't. And if I'm wrong, well, no one's going to care because you shouldn't be mad at me if I'm wrong. If someone dropped the ball here, sure, that's an issue. Um, I just don't think that Bob Huggins and Shane Lyons have the diplomatic clout to fix this as it happens. I'm sure they tried and appealed. And again, if I could apply different times for my visa, I'm sure they applied different times for his if they were rejected. Perhaps it was a hard no the first time and there's an easy explanation and no, they can't come back. I don't know. I also don't know why we were asking so many questions and getting so many answers about Culver and Shebway together. And that's where I want to get to right now because this does matter a little bit. Is it a big deal? It's subjective. It's entirely up to you. It's August 5th. They don't play a game until early November. There's a lot of time to get things together. But I don't think that you can listen to Huggins say how great this tour is for the team and how much the players need it and, and agree, but also say that it doesn't matter that Oscar isn't there. You can't have it both ways. You can't say this is great, and you can't say it's not a big deal if a young player misses it. Um, Oscar and Derek Colbert, that's plan A. Those two together is plan A, and that's not an easy thing to put together because they play similar positions. You know, They're going to play the four and the five. They're about the same height and size. Culver's bigger, taller, stronger for now. But those are key, key parts of their plan. And I know they practiced a bunch on campus, and they practiced with those two together. But let me ask you this. When they go good on good, how does a team with 11 players combat Culver and Oscar? I'm not sure they have adequate personnel to really give those guys a challenge and to really see you know, how you can push them and test them and rattle them, or to see even how good they are, which makes me wonder how good are those practices. Nothing against who they have, it's just it's not an ideal situation for them because of who they have and how many people they have. 
So three games against, you know, professional level players in Spain would have been good for them. So that's a bummer. He's not going to get that. If you want a silver lining and a way to get excited, I guess, and this is a task, I understand, but try and follow me here. Um, we're going to see how good Oscar is right now. He does not have the benefit of these games and the practices and the experience. So he is going to have to rely on ability and strengths and talent and all the stuff that made him a five-star and a McDonald's All-American to be as good as he's supposed to be as soon as he possibly can. So in a weird way, I mean, sure, we could find out in a couple of days how good he is when we see him play against these teams in Spain. But in some way, in an exhibition game and in some of these early non-conference games, we're going to see what he's made of, which is, in a weird way, kind of exciting. One more thing before football, and I'll try to make this short because this topic is not going to excite everybody. Um, there was a wrestling event, Northeast Wrestling, at Monongalia County Baseball Park last night. Uh, excuse me, Saturday night. And this is only noteworthy for a couple of reasons. One, we have talked about how WVU could use that baseball park, which it is an occupant of, to make money. And I brought this up in July because it was July but also because when they built the stadium a couple years ago, one thing Oliver Luck had envisioned was using that stadium as a stage for other events. And I don't know what exactly he thought, but presumably concerts, maybe community nights and movies and things like that. Uh, but who knows? You know, a car show, a beer fest, wine and jazz, chili cook-off, chicken wing throwdown, whatever you want, right? Um, arts and crafts could have a whole bunch of vendor possibilities around their flea market. Gun show. You, you get where I'm going here. And you can make some money off of that. Revenue is important, even in small doses, especially if you're not paying for stuff like that. And for an independent wrestling promotion to come into town, they pay you. They get to keep the revenue, but you're getting a chunk of money for that. So I wrote about this in July because I had some intel that was going to happen. I didn't just wing it. So combining what I remembered from luck in the past and what I had heard coming up, I had asked Shane Lyons about it. He said, yeah, we've kicked around some things. Much of independent wrestling is what WVU wants to get into. And interestingly, uh, the Northeast Wrestling Promotion never mentioned Morgantown or WVU on Saturday night. It was all Mon County and Granville. It was all the West Virginia Black Bears. Which is weird because there is a potential for something on a college campus with wrestling. The calendar may not work, though. I'm not sure how many times during the school session that you can get a hundred, couple hundred or a couple thousand people out to watch an independent wrestling scene. But I still think there's potential to do stuff at the ballpark. But it did get me thinking about stuff due to a funny conversation I had Sunday with a friend. Because we were texting back and forth and he was quizzing me on football. And also, he was at the wrestling show, and he saw me with my brother-in-law, my nephew, um, and he just wondered what I thought. And we're trading texts back and forth, and I was very busy Sunday because of um, football, but I got really confused. And I was talking about the competition and talent and building a roster, and I don't know what happened, but he had no idea who I was talking about or what I was talking about. What, what, what Are you talking about football? You're talking about wrestling. And we sorted things out. And what we realized was kind of funny. Part of our conversation was who was on the wrestling card. And there were some recognizable people. McFoley, Billy Gunn, Jerry the King Lawler from WWF fame many years ago. There were also some wrestlers from a new promotion, All Elite Wrestling. Not going to turn this into a wrestling podcast. I don't know a ton about the industry. I can't keep up with it anymore because there's so much stuff. It's really difficult. Um, my palate is not that refined. But what I gathered was that 
All Elite Wrestling, AEW, is this upstart that has a TV deal on TNT. And it is going to try to, I'm not sure, compete with, but coexist with the WWE. And this is where things got cloudy in my conversation with my friend because we were talking about the schedule. And like I said, the competition, I don't know how you reach the top because the talent. And he didn't know if I meant WVU against Texas and Oklahoma or AEW against WWE. It was very weird, like I said. So we had a laugh about it on a phone call later, but we actually had a, a, a thought, a pretty good point. Um, a new wrestling organization is trying to take a shot at the throne. How do you do it? Well, the roster is people who were formerly in the WWE and didn't think they were used properly, so they moved on to plan B. They have people who became stars doing their own thing. Um, they have people who were identified by talent scouts early in the process and became stars, and those stars affiliated themselves with AEW because, hey, they found them early on. And it has some momentum. It markets itself really well, and people are excited about it. It uses social media. It's funny. It's in the mainstream. It connects with its audience. It sounds a lot like West Virginia football, doesn't it? Don't laugh. This is what we talked about. This is what I do on a Sunday when I have time on my hands. But similar, you know, parallels here are similar, I think, because West Virginia is trying to take on the WWF, the Big 12, right? Texas and Oklahoma. Um, how do you unseat them? you got to build a roster. you got to be unique. You have to have gimmicks that appeal to fans. Um, you know, and their players, well, there's a lot of players who didn't like the way they were being used on the card at other colleges and took a shot on their own. Um, has players who became popular in the recruiting circuit because, you know, they were different. They were tweeners. They were hybrids. They were under-recruited, whatever you want to call it. And there are some players that West Virginia got to know early. No matter who the coach is, they've kind of had to be unique on their own at West Virginia to build a roster. Um, and again, these are recruiters, whether it's the staff now or before, who saw something in players when no one else did. And those players were there at the right time because they got popular. They were successful on their own. And now they have a home. And either organization, whether it's this upstart wrestling or this upstart football program, they have support. Um, the AEW has an NFL owner bankrolling them. The football program has the BOG writing the check for $41 million. So before we say that Shane Lyons is Vince McMahon or anything like that, um, you kind of see like why the importance is of having a brand. Um, when you're competing against some of the biggest and most recognizable brands, you got to be aggressive and ambitious to distinguish yourself. You can't compete with their resources because you don't have them. So you adapt and you're unique. You have players that maybe other people didn't want or wrestlers that other people didn't want. You have ways to use them that other people don't see. You have a vision, you have an idea, and you're confident in what you do. You have creative tactics, you have creative thinkers, and hopefully you have some success. success. You zig when everybody else zags. And if you're going to hang around, for the rest of this, we'll talk some football after we get back. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast.
All right, let's wrap it up here. Just a couple minutes to put a bow on this episode here and talk about some football. Um, again, we've, we've been over this stuff in print, and you can go check out our content on earsports.com. And if it's behind the paywall, hey, sign up. If you don't have it, you're missing a lot of good stuff, and that is all the pitching I'll do today. But apart from the obvious stuff where everybody's in good shape and the team is better and the roster is healthier, that's obvious stuff. But a couple of things did stick out to me. I covered the situation at quarterback in the three things I think, three things I know. I do think that Kendall is the QB one right now and that I think he's going to have to come back to the group to lose it. I also think that Allison would further have to do something. I think they could deal with Kendall regressing and him being the starter. As long as Allison doesn't do something, if Kendall regresses and Allison progresses, then you have a change. But right now, if Kendall stays on the line and Allison doesn't come and get him, this is Kendall's job, I think. I do think the offensive line is going to have some developments. Um, the top five is probably good to go. We've been over what I think about right guard and right tackle. I think Josh Sills, if he's better at right tackle, or if the line is better at, with him at right tackle than at right guard, that would be a change to make. But maybe Kelby Wickline renders that moot. He seems like he has the full confidence of the coaches. Um, they might also not have enough guards to make that happen right now. We'll see. Um, but I do think that even if it's in that second line or if it's some names you're not expecting, I think we're going to see some developments there. And again, John Hughes, the junior college transfer, it sounds like he's going to play. When when you have a newcomer and they say, we don't know if he'll be strong enough to play, but it'll be good enough. That's a pretty good indication of potential, I think. Um, I also think there's a chance to play inside receiver on this offense. They have a lot of wide receivers. They have TJ Simmons inside, and that's pretty much about it. Tevin Bush, um, explosive for sure. I'd like to see just some stuff vertically or some stuff that actually happens. He can do it, but I don't think we can pencil it in right now. And then after him, it's Isaiah Esdale. Um, then that's, you know, it kind of concerning. So can someone play inside? Sure. You have to, but who is it? Um, TJ Simmons can soak up a lot of those stats. And then it's Bush, who's a different player. Esdale really hasn't done anything at this level yet. Um, there's somebody there who can play. I don't know if they move an outside guy inside because they have so much talent outside that you don't want to lose a guy um, or his talent or not take advantage of his gifts or his ability. So maybe move him inside. Who would that be? I don't know. But that's something to think about. Uh, could it be Winston Wright? Could it be a walk-on we'll get to in a second? Um, I don't know. But those are three things that I take away that I think are important there. Um, inside receivers, newsy offensive line. And Kendall is probably your QB one. One thing I do want to add, though, that I didn't think get got nearly any attention, like any attention, but I do think it helps. Um, and I may be wrong about this because I think it would have been mentioned before. Adam Hensley had a uniform and was practicing. That is a potential player at linebacker. He tore an ACL last year in the middle of the season. And you figure that is a lengthy recovery, right? Um, he was one of the two man shields on a punt. And I was surprised because I didn't think he was eligible or excuse me, healthy to play. Apparently he is. I just kind of thought they'd make a big deal, bigger deal out of that because that's a guy who has been around and has the build and the ability to play Mike, uh, maybe to play Will. I don't know, but he's no rookie. He's no dummy. And having him back, it doesn't hurt. It makes you a little bit better there. Um, we talk a whole lot about, you know, Bandarius Cowan over Zach Sandwich or vice versa or who the Mike is. Hey, that's another guy you can throw in somewhere linebacker and maybe take advantage and finally um let's close with just a little bit of fun walk on rankings um i would do a top five is that okay i want to do a top six actually and i'll explain why but i do think there's a chance for some guys to actually matter as walk-ons i don't think any of them start but as i'll get to in a second here there might be some significance in these players and i do think that the coaches are okay with um 
we're giving guys a shot at the earn. Again, these aren't major roles, but they could be important roles. Um, one name you won't hear on this list is Dante Bonamico. He's no longer a walk-on. He has a scholarship, and he will maintain it for the fall. Um, could be your starting cat safety, too. If not, he's definitely going to play. Um, so we'll cross him off the list. We still have six, and I'll explain why, because it's probably really five. But I want to start with the fullback the transfer from Western Michigan, Jackson Knipper. Uh, Neil Brown mentioned him. Matt Moore said that he's an athletic player at that position, which means that you know he could be usable in different situations. And he has some experience. Uh, nothing against Logan Timmons, but... Knipper seems like a guy who has played it longer and perhaps better, even if it's at a smaller school. Um, but he's here, he's a walk-on, and he's eligible to play, so he could do something. Uh, our man, Freddie Brown. Um, listen, he, he looks good. I don't know what he's going to do in pads. I don't know what he's going to do when the lights are on. I don't know why he wasn't recruited at all. My guess is that he's like 5'9", but he played at Mesquite, Texas, Texas high school football. Um, you can find some huddle stuff on him and look at his tape, whatever. It's kind of fun, but... Um, he played receiver and, and he, he was good. He ran sharp routes. He got behind guys. He caught the ball. What was surprising to me was, despite his size, he was an outside receiver. So let's keep an eye on him because the potential for Freddie Brown to be good ought to be exciting because Freddie Brown is an awful fun name to say. Uh, number three, Leighton Bechtel. There's only two punters on the roster right now. Again, we talked about this. It's Bechtel and it is Colton McGee. The other two punters who are on the team are not in camp because you can only have 110 players. Why have four punters? Well, they don't really have a punter. So, again, it's McGee and Bechtel. Uh, Evan Staley is not punting. He's going to be focusing on kicks and field goals. So, it's one of these two. And Bechtel was, by the way, a two-time high school All-American in lacrosse. Um Again, these things intrigue me, so I found that interesting. And again, he's here for a reason. If he's a freshman and he's a walk-on and he's in camp, give him a chance, right? Uh, number two, Adam Stilley. I guess he's the backup center. He's six foot. He's not 300 pounds. He's a walk-on from Martinsburg, but the coaches feel like he can play. They'll put him in. He'll know what to do. We'll see. But um, a backup center is really important because the center is never snapping the game. Um, you got to be good there. And Because if, if one guy isn't going to be good, could be for a game, could be for a stretch of games. You can't stick with a bad center, um, and that doesn't account for injuries or anything else that may happen, too. So you like to have two. You like to have three, just in case, but you definitely need two, and he'll be number two right now. Uh, and number either 2B or 1, we'll see. We're going to go with Grayson Malashevich. Um, just like him, I think he's going to be good, and he's an inside receiver, so maybe we add into that conversation of who can play. Like I said, there's a walk-on who may play there, and it's not – Freddie Brown. It could be Grayson. He looks really good. He made some nice plays along the sideline, running different routes. Um, he's fast. He's got good hands. He's fluid. And he's played. I mean, he's, he's been a good player whenever he's had to play before. He's just a talented kid. Uh, and again, if he's on special teams, he may matter. If he's in the offense, he may matter. Um, and I don't think that the battle is as uphill at inside receiver as it might be outside. And finally, number one, um, it's, it's Jake Abbott. He's the middle linebacker right now behind Dylan Tonkery. They're Pretty sure he's going to play, though. Uh, if he's not on scholarship already, he wasn't in the spring. And, you know, he probably got one for the summer because they like to give walk-ons who have a chance um, a scholarship in the summer. You can take it away in the fall, but it helps you pay some bills in the summer. I believe he was one of those guys. I would be surprised if he doesn't have one in the fall, but he's just a good player. He's a Mike, um, and he's a he's a pretty athletic kid. He was a high school quarterback, um, and he's grown up now, and he's playing middle linebacker. His teammates like him. He's smart. He knows what he's doing, but um, – that's a pretty good group of walk-ons to fill some holes there, though, too. This is a roster that does leak a little bit in certain spots, and you got to be, again, creative to fill things up. They have some possibilities to do that. Uh, and that is it for this time. I will see you next time.
for 24-7 sports. I am Mike Casazza. Take time to tell your friends, and for goodness sakes, take care of each other. See ya.